This is Leisha Holmes and I'm your host of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast brought to you by Hoxo Media. I'm really honoured to be joined today by a very recognisable face in the recruitment industry and I'm really thrilled to enjoy the time that we've got together with Tara Ricks today who is a board advisor, non-exec director and COO of Elite Leaders. Welcome to you today, how are you? Hi Leisha, I'm very well thank you. I'm even happier after the recent announcement yesterday um, of the lockdown restrictions so um, yeah, it brought a smile to my face, I've got a timeline. <laughs> And um, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for the invite. Oh, you're very welcome. Yes, as we record this in February 2021, Boris has just announced our roadmap out of lockdown. As you're listening to this, we might very well be on that trajectory. And let's hope you <laughs> stuck to those dates. April the 12th, hairdressers. I know. <laughs> that's the one that everyone can't wait for. Never mind the schools reopening. Oh, yeah, that's in my diary. Yeah, definitely. Well, that, like <laughs> say, thank you for joining us today. So, you know, for yeah, those thanks. who aren't familiar with you, can you give us an introduction into, you know, your background? You, you built and sold a business over a 22-year period. Give us a Yes, a, happy a to. Yeah, most of, um, yes, I think I'm what's known as a recruitment veteran. Um, most of my career has been spent in, um, in recruitment. I spent a short while in investment banking after college and then came into recruitment because um, uh, just saw the opportunity in the wholesale financial services sector, really, after in the years after the what was, what was known as Big Bang in the city when there was a lot of deregulation and, and um, many of the international investment banks were piling into the city to grasp the opportunity of... Um, the less regulated markets. So saw a great opportunity and had an opportunity to go into a business and um, called Joss and Rowe. And uh, yes, we grew that. Um, when I joined, it was it was very small. It was sort of six people and grew that to just over 200, um, wow. which became the largest privately owned uh, recruitment services group in financial services at the time. Um, and then sold that to Randstad um, and then I ended up staying with Ransad for a little while because it was an exciting opportunity to um, integrate a number of acquisitions into, uh, into, a, into a, a sort of joined up professional staffing business um, in the UK. And that was, uh, that was interesting, having run a, uh, you know, a, a lean privately owned company for such a long time as, as we do, um, to go into a huge corporate beast um, you know, revenues of what were then about 20 billion euro was, um, was, was really interesting because you kind of see a, a, a whole different way of approaching the recruitment market. So that was um, a gap on my CV. So it was interesting to, to, to plug that gap um, and stayed there for a while. And, and then that, that was never going to be um, a long-term option for me. And since exiting um, that, that sort of corporate world, I've been able to leverage all of that experience in working as a non-exec, as a board advisor and indeed supporting and working with elite leaders as we grow the um, the advisory part of our business um, there. So yeah, that's me. You really, I mean, I, I always smirk at the term veteran and yeah. people can say that to me and I think, no, you're not, absolutely not, because you're always learning, you're always developing, but you're, yeah, you're, true. you're certainly somebody that I, I regard as, you know, very inspirational. You've, you've worn a lot of hats, like you say, but you've done it in a very accomplished way. But m my first question is, did you always plan to do that? Was that your, as you sort of progress through Jocelyn Rowe? Did you think, right, I can get myself to this position and then maybe sell out? Because yeah, a lot of people think... listening might be thinking that now. Emerging... Yes. I know John O'Sullivan talks about it a lot. In yes, and, and, you know, very definitely. And I know this is probably something we'll talk about, but, you know, certainly coming out of a crisis as we have, 
um, there is always uh, a lot of M&A activity. So it's a particularly interesting market. Um, but I think, you know, it's fair to say when I first went into recruitment, it was really to grasp the opportunity of really owning and shaping something. And you could see the growth that was going to happen in financial service. So, for example, I worked for an American investment bank called Morgan Stanley. And when I worked for them in the city, we were about 250 people. And I think Morgan Stanley today, just as an example, in London is about 8,000 possibly more so uh, you know and, and that was um, one of many 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 international banks coming to the city so I could really see the opportunity for really growing a business and I think that was initially what really sparked the appetite for recruitment so you could really see a huge opportunity to to grow exponentially and I think you know as recruiters we're quite goal oriented aren't we so mm -hmm. you kind of always have to have the next task and um you know, initially those were, it was growing the business and then there was an opportunity to really have specific goals around scaling, um, also diversifying our business mix. For example, we were a predominantly permanent business and then I recognized that strategically had to have a very strong uh, contract business to complement that. So really looked at that, uh, then looked at the RPO NSP models and really went into that market quite aggressively because it was something that was initially, frankly, a defensive measure, but mm -hmm. very quickly became a, a very key part of our business. Um, and then looking geographically as well, um, the financial services market was um, either insourcing or outsourcing and we kind of followed the money. So we opened in um, Scotland and Ireland. Um, we went to the Middle East because many of our clients were themselves moving operations to those markets. So it was natural for us to, to move with them. In, in, in fact, they wanted us to move with them. Um, so really looking at growing service offering, growing the geographies. Um, and then it became very clear that this was a really viable opportunity to actually do something more meaningful um, in terms of you know, a, a, a real capital event. Um, and that then that really then started to sit very central to the um, sort of the strategy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, a lot of people say you set up a recruitment business to sell a recruitment business. And I think that's a dangerous way to mm -hmm. to cut to look because you you would miss out on so much, actually so much. Um, but equally, I think, you know, you've got to you know, you, know, you need to break it down into more specific bite sized goals before you can really start to sit central to your agenda what's next and yeah. really plan and really plan for that so it wasn't initially but it became it became obvious that this we could you know this was something that we could really we could achieve something really meaningful with this business mm -hmm. and it and, and and then what do you do with that and then you know in order to for the business and, and for the careers of the people in the business to have real development opportunity um you know some kind of uh, capital event be became very obvious and that and that's actually something that I think I've seen where over the last 12 months I, I don't think there's been an unprecedented number of you know people setting up on their own because they've never yes. had a better opportunity to do so yeah. and you know some of them have done it because they, they were furloughed or made redundant yes have no choice yeah. and it's like yeah. well, you know, might, as well, might as well do it now and those who've done it with purpose you know you I pick up on that thing yes. that real purpose and that the sense of goal and I think it's when you talk to those individuals who are at the very start you know very start of their trajectory you know they have initial goals it's not necessarily to um you know to sell out or to scale something that they become part of a bigger business it is genuinely usually yeah. it's just to get to a point of trading profitably and you know growing yes. exponentially and that, that kind of thing but if yeah. people are who are listening to this are you know leaders in companies or they're aspiring leaders I think 
it, what you've talked about there are, are certain behaviors how much of what your success was down to your intuition and how much of it is down to business acumen rather than like the two are they aligned I mean what what would you say are the key well, you cert- I think you've, you've certainly got do you certainly got to have um, a mix a healthy mix mm-hmm. because when you're dealing with um, you know our product is is a human being yeah uh, we're not making something it's physical we you know you, and you do need um, lots and lots of other traits to be able to uh, cope with that and thrive with that so I think um intuition around um markets and the markets you're operating yeah um is very very important and you gain that from your by being externally focused i think a lot and a mistake a lot of leaders can make is being too internally focused rather than remaining you know externally focused um which is very very important so i think you know healthy mix but but, but you know very definitely business obviously business acumen and i think sometimes you know after all the statistics of the numbers of recruitment businesses that set up is massive mm-hmm. and the amount that will successfully go on and create any meaningful wealth through mm-hmm. an exit is, is is kind of minute yeah and you know i just sound that as a word of caution because sometimes that can be bad planning it can be naivety it can be delusion mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. i think it, you know it is it is um it, you know that's why it's really crucial to make something of your business that is has a differential is meaningful is financially sound is run like a proper grown-up business before you've got any chance of starting to really think about okay now i want to really set a strategy to take this to market in the next three to five years or whatever that time might be um and that's you know and that's where um the business acumen comes in of course mm-hmm. and of course that's what you know what we do very much at elite leaders i was just about to say elite LED you yeah you surround yourself with the best yes people. yeah you know i think if i think back you know there are you know, there's very much, there's very definitely a way that a business needs to look um, in terms of structure, yep. balance sheet, you know, the, the financial reporting and um, conversion rates within that financial reporting in order for it to be remotely attractive to someone who's looking to make an acquisition. Yeah. And getting into that state is is something that you can accelerate by, yeah, surrounding yourself with, with great advice. Yeah. Um, so I think that... Um, you, I mean, definitely you've got to have a healthy mix you've got to have some intuition you've got to have a lot of business acumen um you've got to have empathy and frankly you know you've got to have some luck i mean you know selling yeah. the business selling joss and Rowe, um at the time was we were incredibly um fortunate on timing because the deal was ratified just before the 2008 financial i was just about to send sorry my been, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was like perfect which would have been it. yeah Gosh. which would have been absolutely you know even more devastating to the you know to the business um in a very very different way so there's always an element of luck and timing yeah i agree with <laughs> don't you. believe again, anyone who doesn't tell you that yeah <laughs> but again but i guess that also comes down to intuition as well because you it, it felt right at the time and i think if, if it yes. had been a year later yeah. and it was post sort of credit crunch then yes you would have it would have been a very very we're not we're not going yeah. to do it now so yeah. on the flip it's side all in the timing on the flip side and i haven't prepared you for this but on the flip side if so business leaders that are looking at it's all going to be about we, we talked about this off camera attracting and retaining talent is going to be mm. the key thing for anybody going forward what are your thoughts on the, and i think it's still quite an embryonic stage but what are your thoughts on employee ownership so I, i'm seeing quite a few companies that are you know basically tying tying their employees in Mm. kind of profit share scheme what are your thoughts yeah. on that 
Well, I think it's hugely important. I mean, again, recruitment, you know, it is so much about the people in your business. Mm-hmm. You, you awesome. know, I, I, you know, much like many other customer service orientated businesses, but it's, you know, the relationships that we develop and the reason that clients and candidates engage with us is very much down to the face of your business, which is your people. So it's incredibly important mm-hmm. and always has been, frankly, to yeah. lock in as much as people, as much as possible, your key people. Um, so long-term incentive planning, you know, should always be at the forefront of your mind as a, as a recruitment business leader. Mm. Uh, and then the way that you can do that has evolved over the years, whether it's a long-term bonus plan um, or moving into an EMI scheme where you yep. can allocate share options yep. or indeed having an equity scheme, um, mm-hmm. employee benefit trusts, which aren't usable anymore but employee ownership trusts are coming back onto um you know off to our radar so i think absolutely if you're a recruitment business owner Mm. that long-term incentive planning um is is key because you part of your package will be showing a potential acquirer the thought that you have put into your succession planning absolutely what your key senior management and leadership team looks like um and how locked in they are Mm. and what's in it for them and and why are they staying and um you know all of that assurance that goes with that but equally to keep your keep people incentivized and well rewarded you know this is uh recruitment remains a meritocracy and people one you know people want a purpose and, and a purpose will usually form a number of um, objectives and a number of drivers and motivators, and one of those will be financial. Absolutely. Um, so we have to feed into that. And of course, a successful recruitment business owner, you can, we're very well placed to do that. So do absolutely keep that mm. forefront. And I, over, 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 over time, have, have met with and advised many recruitment business owners who are really adverse to, well, I can't give away any of my company. And I, and I don't advocate, look, you know, at the end of the day, of course, the recruitment business owner is the person who's taken all the risk and, you know, very often put their very future, financial future on the line. And, you know, that's, of course, I get all that. But, you know, you'd rather have a percentage of something bigger than a percentage of something smaller. So do keep in mind that it's important to have that in long-term planning that will um, allow you to retain motivate and of course attract in the future the, the best possible staff that um, will work with you to achieve your your overall objective makes mm. sense right it, it does and and you know I, I, that's why your perspective is so important to redress the balance because I'm at the other end I, you know people come to me confidentially mm. because they've reached that point where they feel that they're not achieving their full potential which is obviously therefore meritocracy has failed in a, in a way yeah and largely yeah. driven by you know and, and I guess everybody's purpose is you know the center of our purpose is to you know change people's lives and all that but ultimately we are rewarded through our financial package yes. Yes. and ultimately the, the the crutch of it is you earn more money when you run your own business that's the, the percentage wise so I think and I often say 
you know, go back to your employer or if I'm speaking to the business owners, you need to make it attractive because, you, you know, you don't want to lose somebody that's generating X amount of your revenue. So I think it's really important that we've got your perspective on this mm. because I think it's something that, you know, I know as a business owner myself, you've worked really hard. It's, I, key recruitment is my third baby, literally my third baby. Yeah. I, love it. I love it as much as my daughters. Don't let them hear you say that, but they <laughs> probably know it anyway. So you would do anything for your business. You'd do anything mm. to ensure its prosperity. But actually, you are right. The sum of, you know, the sum of all the people that work for you is what makes your business great. So I'm really pleased I asked you that question. Thank you for that. So <laughs> as we record this, you know, we have just had the announcement that there is now a roadmap to come out. So let's just talk about 2021 and beyond. So with your amazing sort of view over the, you know, this great subjective view, very impartial, what should recruitment leaders be doing right now to ensure they thrive as we learn yeah. even a post-COVID world? We interrupt this podcast episode of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to tell you about our amazing sponsor. Hoxo Media are the world's leading content recruitment marketing agency, specifically for the recruitment industry. And they currently work with over 250 recruitment agencies, including Key Recruitment, and 3,000 recruitment consultants to help them build out LinkedIn brands that then allow them to open up more opportunities by following a proven methodology every single day. Now in 2021, the hugely successful Hoxo Academy of which I was part of is changing. And they've now launched an eight week personal brand launch program, which can now help you roll out this methodology across your business. The Hoxo Academy is aimed at helping traditional recruiters of which I am one, who rely on outbound calls to attract clients and candidates equally. Now, very often traditional recruiters actually lack the knowledge of how to best use LinkedIn, other than maybe posting jobs, you know, every few days, but then struggling with ideas and original content, and also just confidence in terms of what to produce and how to produce valuable content. Now we're living in a post COVID world, and we all know now that the world is truly digital. The modern recruiter needs to be equipped and have a unique and consistent LinkedIn presence that offers value to their community and drives opportunities inbound. The Hoxo Academy helps every recruiter in the recruitment agency that becomes part of the academy and helps every recruiter achieve this in just eight weeks, enrolling new cohorts of training at the start of each calendar month. So, this is an exclusive deal for you, our listener. The Recruiters Recruitment Podcast is so proud to be sponsored by Hoxo Academy that the deal is amazing. For the first 50 customers in 2021, they are offering you the chance to enrol unlimited users on this program for 12 months at no extra cost. So whether you're listening to this and you've got a team of 15, or a team of 500, and you're looking to hire more during 2021, you can rest assured that they will all get this training that they then need to build out their brand that wins business on LinkedIn. So please click on the link attached to this episode or alternatively DM me to find out how your agency can join this incredible programme. And having been a cohort member myself and a graduate of the Academy at the end of 2020, I'm really proud to advocate this phenomenal and really, I think, business critical Academy 
for every recruiter who wants to get the best out of LinkedIn and ensure that they also become inbound. Thank you for listening to this message. Enjoy the rest of the episode and do get in touch for more details. Well, I think the first thing is don't don't lose those fantastic disciplines that we've learned through this crisis of really strong budgetary discipline, really focused cash management, you know, developing a strong finance team that work with you in partnership to, to manage your business, um, you know, a key focus on how you're converting revenue to gross profit, gross profit to you know, operate uh, EBIT, EBITDA and you know, don't retain, please, please retain all those wonderful disciplines that you developed working through this crisis. Uh, make that your silver lining. Um, and the communication, I mean, ongoing really healthy communication is, is so key and it cannot ever be underestimated. Sometimes as a leader, you think you're over-communicating, or I've said that too many times, believe you, you never have. You know, if you, you've got to bore people before you've remotely said something. <laughs> and it's so important because in a time of crisis, and we still continue to work through a crisis curve, and whilst we're coming out of it, which is wonderful, it's very, very important to always, as a business leader, make uh, for your teams to always know that you have a plan. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, everyone can read the newspapers, watch the news, and be aware of what's going on in the world, and, and be frightened by that. Mm. They need to know you, as their leader, has a plan. Yeah. And it could be very simple. It could be, um, you know, for the next six months, all we're going to do is this. Yeah. Or, you know, we've changed our business plan so that we're just, you know, but 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 just be very clear on what the plan is and communicate it and articulate it frequently, loudly. And that's really, really important. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that you need to really start planning for what your working models might look like okay. as we start to migrate back into our office environments. There is much, much debate and that's all it is at the moment. The book isn't written and it's sometimes it's too early to make blanket statements about, oh, gosh, you know, 40% of the workforce will never go back into the office. It's too early, frankly. Okay. Yeah. So the best thing you can do is ask your staff, ask your team, you know, see what they're thinking. Um, because, again, they want to know what your plan is. For some people, the ability to have a flexible working model, which merely allows them to walk their dog three times a week rather than paying someone else to, is, all, is what they need. Yeah, and it will be as simple as that. For other people, it will be much. It will be, you know, um, much more of an aggressive change. And for other people, you know, they're desperate to get back into the office in the environment. Um, but until we kind of find out what our teams are thinking, we can't really plan. So I would urge everyone to start thinking about what that plan might look like and start yeah. engaging with your teams to understand where their heads are, what, what they're thinking, what, what, what they want. Um, the, the, you know, we're not really at the landscape yet where it's clear that everyone can go back into the office, but we will reach that point. Yeah, of course. Um, and it will be safe and, and COVID secure. Um, but we kind of need to know what people are thinking, mm. don't we, before you can make a plan. So yeah. I would urge people to start thinking about it and start engaging with the teams and understanding what's yeah. in their head so you can start planning. Because, again, your teams want to know that you have a plan. You're their leader and, you know, you've got to be confident and have a plan. So I would really start thinking about that. Um, I would really interrogate constantly, constantly your um, business plan. 
you know, the clients that you were doing a lot with a year ago may not be the clients that you're going to do a lot with mm. in 2021 and beyond um, for a number of reasons, um, you know, economically related and crisis related, but they may not. So be constantly interrogating who are your target clients and who do you yeah. really want to be working with? Yeah. Um, have their buying habits changed um, yeah. and why and understand that. Um, and equally, you know, understand your candidate marketplace and and, and how their um, how their how their habits will have changed. But just, I think, you know, the day we we're not for the next couple of years, we won't be able to write a business plan next week and expect it to be fit for purpose a year down the line. I think we have to start to be nimble. And of course, all the benefits of being a, the business owner of a privately owned business, you can have all that. Um, benefit of being nimble so take that and then that's a huge advantage so have a business plan but make sure you're interrogating it every three to six months yeah um you know really look at all of the service offerings that you're taking to market we talk a lot about um annuity revenues in um with our clients in in elite leaders and that's really you know that's a really healthy byproduct of the crisis if you like because as you mentioned earlier people are have really embedded themselves very well with key clients and have worked with fewer clients, but done hopefully more for them and embedded as recruiters more deeply in those clients. And that's wonderful. And that needs to be continued. Um, and looking at how you can do that more exclusive business, more retained business, or even project type recruitment or RPMSP light models, which are very doable. Um, and that they don't have to be horribly complex um, and shouldn't frighten anyone off because the, these are all ways of creating annuity revenues that do what we all want to do, don't we? We want to be so embedded with our clients yeah. that they can't not work with us. Absolutely. How great would that be? And, and that you get, like you say, you get this residual income from just doing yes. the job you were already doing. Yeah, of course. And that leads very nicely to my final question, which is elite leaders. So obviously this was historically pre-COVID a sort of live community you did lots of events obviously there was a lot of on offline stuff as well but that's obviously you've totally pivoted I actually had um, John O'Sullivan came on um the podcast last yes. year 2020 yeah. Yeah. we talked about what you've done to pivot so what's what does the future of elite leaders look like as we look at post-lockdown well I think absolutely right we've had to pivot very quickly to an online and we went online very quickly weekly and um we created a very quickly a huge sense of community in a really great space that was very safe for our members to come along and be vulnerable and talk about challenges issues and work together and it became a very collaborative space and we've been very very keen to retain and cultivate that so we continue to be an online um, we're very much at Elite Leaders, we work with our clients as advisory. You know, it's, yes, we have members and I guess we are a peer-to-peer -peer network in some ways because we bring people together, but our focus is very much on advisory. All of our members are business leaders that have ambition and aspiration. Um, and we will continue to be online until such time as we can meet meet face-to-face -face, and we absolutely will do that. Um, Again, many of our members are, are gagging to get together face to face and rightly so. Um, having an ongoing um, virtual product allows us to be geographically friendly as well. Yeah. And we've had some great speakers and we will continue to do that. We've had um, Professor Damien Hughes, which I'm sure many of your listeners will have heard. He's a, I did. a, a brilliant I, I speaker. As well. 
Yeah, I mean, he yeah. is, as you know, you'll agree then what an amazing speaker he is around performance and that performance, high performance. We've had Marcus Child, another award-winning speaker. We've got Jeff Rahm um, coming up this week who speaks um, on a, a celebrity level of customer service, which is so front of mind for so many of our members mm. and indeed our marketplace at the moment. Um, and we, you know, we'll, we'll, and we will keep delivering those extra benefits for our, um, for our members. And then we will move to face-to-face when we can. But I think, you know, our focus is really, you know, show us your business plan and your ambition. And, you know, if you work with us, we'll get you there quicker, I, I guess, in a very and short state, statement that that's, that's our commitment to our, to our members. Yeah, it's best in class and it's, and it's been an absolute joy to be part of it, I have to tell you. Great. From this Good. side, I know it's been a joy. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been, an, and I knew it'd be a thrill and I, I love hearing your perspective on things because you're <laughs> so measured and informed and, you know, just, I, I think people will be listening with relish and making lots of notes down there. So I was certainly remembering cash, communication, engagement, lots of, yeah. lots of takeaways there. Thank you so much. Sorry, it's been a you're joy to have very, on. very welcome. Delighted to join you. Thanks for the invite. You're welcome. Take care.